I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're a 415 You're all about your San Francisco 49ers. And this is where you need to be for news, analysis, and, and, and more. And more. Welcome to the 415 hosted by Evan Gidding and Mark Grandy. What's going on, everyone? Welcome into another edition of the 415ers podcast. As always, on the Odyssey Sports Podcast Network, 957 The Game. We're going to be, shocker, getting into some quarterback rumor mill this this week. It continues, Mark. That's Mark Grandy. I'm Evan Giddings. Uh, before we dive head first, Mark, how are you? I'm doing all right, Evan. The middle of the week here as we record this Thursday episode on a Wednesday evening. Uh, it's been a, uh, a busy week uh, around the Bay Area in the sports world, of course, not necessarily for football reasons, uh, for, for basketball reasons and Warriors reasons, but still always plenty to talk about with the 49ers. And uh, like we talked about last episode, there's always some quarterback conversation to be had. So we'll have more of that this episode. Uh, but overall, I can't complain, Evan. How are you doing? I'm doing pretty well. Yeah, look, it seems like an optimistic time in the Bay, as you mentioned, uh, specifically with the basketball team over on uh, 3rd Street at uh, Chase Center. But, of course, as we're discussing the team formerly of San Francisco, now in the South Mm. Bay, the 49ers, um, we do have some good news as far as the quarterback room for the 49ers is concerned. But before we get to that, Mark, we do have to address the latest rumor, should we call it, and that concerns <sighs> a Bay Area boy, well, North Cowboy, Aaron Rodgers, because he's been the latest quarterback linked to the 49ers. I mean, we, we we pretty much went down the list in our last episode on Tuesday, which you can all go and check out. Um, Kirk Cousins was previously the latest. You know, we've heard Ben Roethlisberger, Phillip Rivers, Tom Brady, Lamar Jackson. Um, but this one was kind of interesting, Mark. It was brought up by an East Coaster. I believe Craig Carton was the one that sort of got this thing rolling on his show on FS1, Carton Show, and said, quote, Aaron Rodgers would absolutely want to play for this franchise, and after an unnecessarily long tease, specified that that franchise was indeed the 49ers. So I'll I'll let you have first crack at it before I, I weigh in with my thoughts on what I believe to be another I don't want to call it completely irrelevant rumor, but it's about as close to irrelevant as you can get, considering what we also talked about in our last episode concerning Kirk Cousins. Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm with you. I think, first of all, uh, remember what Aaron Rodgers said, what, three weeks ago now when he went on the Pat McAfee show and he came out of his darkness retreat in Southern Oregon. Where was that? Medford? Shout out Medford. Or maybe it was Ashland. 
one of those two. I, I forget exactly where. Probably closer to Medford. I might even say Klamath Falls. There's a lot of darkness more so in that area. <laughs> Ashland's actually pretty nice for those who are familiar with Southern Oregon. Shout out the Shakespeare hey. Festival. Yeah. But uh, Medford and Klamath Falls are maybe a little more prone to darkness, if you know what I'm saying. If I, I have a couple of friends from Klamath. If you're listening to this, I'm sorry, but I agree with Evan about Klamath Falls. Not, go, not the greatest place. Go cavemen. <laughs> um, but yeah, so three weeks ago, he came out of the darkness. He went on Pat McAfee show and, and what he said, quote, uh, it's my intention ever since I came out of the, the darkness, my intention to play for the New York Jets. And the reason that it hasn't happened yet, nothing to do with me, nothing to do with the Jets. It's just because the Packers are trying to figure out what they want back for me and, you know, the compensation going back to Green Bay and all of that, yada, 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 whatever. Three weeks pass. We're now back up to the present day. Nothing has happened con- concretely that, that has sent him to New York, and he's still kind of hanging out in limbo right now, which is kind of the story of Aaron Rodgers' life, it seems, at least over the last five years, just hanging around in limbo. Um, so naturally, as time passes, you need something to fill this vacuum, Evan. And uh, apparently the the Niners are the thing and the team that fills vacuums nowadays because if you have any quarterback disgruntled who has been good in the past, who has promise of being good in the future, you're going to be linked to Kyle Shanahan and the San Francisco 49ers. So this, I, I'm i with you. It's it's a whole big bag of nothing. This means absolutely nothing. I don't even know how good of a quarterback Aaron Rodgers is anymore, Evan. You could probably convince me if you tried hard enough that Brock Purdy might give the 49ers a better chance to win in the future than Aaron Rodgers does. And then there's the whole aspect of the money and how much money he's due and, you know, how much he would count against the cap this year. And I'm not saying it's impossible to make it happen, but it seems very, very unlikely the 49ers would be willing to go against everything they have planned for over the last five plus years for an aging quarterback who just had his worst season maybe of his entire career. It seems incredibly, incredibly unlikely, and I think this is just kind of a, a dead period of the NFL offseason where you get some some crazy ideas thrown out there and, and you try to see what sticks. This one is not sticking. Yeah, I, I don't know which part of this I want to dispel first, but there's like three <laughs> different reasons why I think that, one, it can't happen, and two... I don't think this is actually the intention of the guy who brought it up. So I'll, I'll start first with the football side of things. Uh, Aaron Rodgers last season, to put it bluntly, fell off a cliff. Like from the mm-hmm. two MVP seasons he had the prior two years to last season, uh, I believe he threw 11 less touchdowns than the year before. He had his first double-digit interception season since 2010, and his completion percentage fell off about five or six points. So if you're looking at a reason why you don't want an aging quarterback – that would be one. Two, to your point about the, the the financials, we talked last episode about how Kirk Cousins is owed, I think, $38 million. That'd be his cap hit for next year. Aaron Rodgers is significantly higher than that. And the 49ers, from what I've read, have about 3 to $4 million in cap space currently. Again, you could sort of finagle this the way that teams do, although they've already done that to accommodate Javon uh, Hargrave. I think they restructured Fred Warner's contract and some others to try and make room for the big fella. So again, the quarterback doesn't really fit into that picture 
as we've discussed with Cousins as well as Jackson. The third part of this is, Mark, all right, um, I, I do have respect for, for Craig Carton. He's been in the business for a long time. He's a successful media member. I know there's been some um, shadiness around his past, but he's back, and he, by all accounts, uh, appears to be leading a entertaining television program, The Carton Show. However, I do know, and from what I've read, that Craig Carton has been linked to the past to the Jets specifically. I think he was the one that called for Adam Gase prior to him getting fired that he was going to get let go, and that happened. So my guess is why this is such a topic is that Craig Carton is very close to the New York Jets, and who is Aaron Rodgers linked to? The New Mm. York Jets. Who does he want to go to? The New York Jets. And what is a better way between two sides, the Packers and the Jets, who are trying to figure out what type of trade capital is going to go over to Green Bay to get this signal caller in New York City? What better way to try and force their hand than throw the team that's a quarterback away from a Super Bowl, essentially, into the mix and saying, hey, if you guys don't, you know, hurry up in Green Bay, he might be going on over to San Francisco, and then you're really going to have problems because he immediately makes them a Super Bowl contender. But, I mean, Craig Carton, like, you're talking about throwing multiple third-round picks, a first-round pick in the future, things that just don't honestly make sense for what it would take to get Aaron Rodgers, even if it was fiscally possible. So all of that wrapped up together, Mark, makes me feel like this is even less likely than potentially Kirk Cousins coming to the Bay Area. And I think Craig Carton is trying to essentially maybe poke the Green Bay Packers a little bit because his team in New York City needs a quarterback badly. Yeah, uh, I that's an interesting idea. Maybe he's also kind of, you know, wink, wink, nudge, nudge at the New York Jets. Like, hey, it takes two to make a deal. Like, you can maybe get a little more aggressive here and trying to make this happen, like offer the, the extra pick extra compensation, whatever that maybe you weren't trying to part with. Maybe the Packers are demanding, just get this done because you know, if you keep waiting, who knows what might happen? I, I am very confident that it's not going to happen with the four downers, no matter how long it takes for Rogers Packers and jets and everyone to decide where they're going to go and, and what's going to happen. Uh, but but maybe he, it's also a little bit of a, a message towards the Jets, like, hey, get this done, because you never know what might happen. Um, interesting. I, I, I could see that for sure. Um, it is, of course, uh, a, a topic that, you know, you say something like this, even if it's not even backed in any kind of actual reporting, Evan. And I know we're going to talk about another rumor here coming up, which I don't think is backed in any sort of reporting. It's more just a media member uh, going up in front of a mic and saying, now, wouldn't this be cool? And then Twitter runs wild with it. And everyone's like, oh, my God, Aaron Rodgers linked to the 49ers. This is such a big deal. Could you imagine if this happens? Uh, So I do think there's a little bit of an overreaction to these sorts of things where there isn't anything I don't know, physical. There isn't actually any physical evidence. It's just theoretical and hypothetical. Um, so I, I think that's where we are with this as well. But but maybe there are some ulterior motives in play on the part of Craig Carton because he, he desperately wants to see Rodgers with the Jets. I mean, yeah, look, he's he's been going there from the beginning, essentially, ever since he came out of that 
five star cave in Medford or Klamath Falls, Oregon. I mean, that that's where he wants to go. And right now, I mean, he came out with a wish list that the New York Jets have so far accommodated and picking up Lazard and going after Randall Cobb and all. He's going to bring the gang from Green Bay over to Gotham City and it's going to be hey, great. But- but Rogers also said, hey, I didn't give them any sort of wish list. I didn't give them any set of demands. No, no, no. That no, I didn't I didn't do that. Yeah, apologies. He sent it into Santa and Santa sent it over to the workshop <laughs> and his elves got to going on the on his wish list. I mean, I I don't know what to tell you. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is the deal. Each week you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as uh, simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This is the 415ers podcast brought to you by the Odyssey Sports Podcast Network, 95.7 The Game. That is Mark Grandy. Please follow him on social at Mark Grandy. Mark with a C, Grandy with an I. My name is Evan Giddings. You can follow me on social at eGiddings10. Please download, rate, subscribe wherever you get your podcast from. Uh, okay, Mark. Well, speaking of overreactions, let's just move mm. on to, in a weird way, almost... <laughs> It feels more likely than even the Aaron Rodgers thing to me, maybe 1% less from, I don't know, the the 2% probability of Aaron Rodgers being in the Bay. But Mike Florio, pro football talk, who was also the guy that floated this NFL scouting combine, broader league circle discussion about a trade between San Francisco and Minnesota for Kirk Cousins, recently said that, hey, you know, what, what might be a good idea? As you framed it beautifully, Mark, what might be a, a good idea? How about the New England Patriots and the San Francisco 49ers swap 2021 first-round picks, Trey Lance and McCorkle Jones? That's Mac Jones, for those who are wondering about the alias, uh, or sorry, his government name. Mark, I mean... I don't really know what to say about it, honestly, but... <laughs> it's I don't know if it's comical or it's dumb or it's it, it's the off season. We'll put it that way. It is, it is an NFL off season. And as members who, you know, follow the 49ers have to discuss all these different rumors that are out there. Um, what'd you think? Oh my, your, your word was right. Comical. This is comical. It is embarrassing. This is so incredibly far-fetched and just flat-out stupid that I, for one, am embarrassed that we have to discuss this. It is so incredibly far out there um, that it's it's just absolutely wild that this is an actual thought that is out there. Um, And again, I don't think there's any actual reporting about this. It's just, you know... You're talking and suddenly something comes out of your mouth and then Twitter takes takes it over and suddenly it becomes a story. 
This is absolutely ridiculous. There is no chance that if the 49ers are dead set on trading Trey Lance, they do it for Mac Jones. I know that there was all the talk about Mac Jones is a quarterback that Kyle Shanahan loves going into that 2021 NFL draft. And the reports are others in the Niners organization had to talk Kyle Shanahan out of drafting, drafting Max Jones, Mac Jones, because they wanted someone with higher upside, more athleticism, a stronger arm, all of that, whatever, throw all of that away. It does not matter because what is the reality of these two quarterbacks now? Still don't really know about Trey Lance, and Mac Jones seems eh, average at best. And there's a reason why Bill Belichick is reportedly shopping Mac Jones around the NFL right now, and that's why the Niners got brought up as a potential suitor for Mac Jones, because Bill Belichick and the New England Patriots have not been impressed by Mac Jones. Yes, he had a decent rookie year, helped the Patriots get to the playoffs, they were under 500 this year, and I know they didn't have a lot of offensive talent around him. It's not the easiest, you know, offensive system for a quarterback to shine in, especially a young one. I know that. But if the 49ers are moving off of Trey Lance, which does seem likely, Evan, they are not doing it for Mac Jones, who has a bunch of questions about his ability as well. I'm sorry. This is absolutely out of left field, and there is zero chance that it happens. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. Uh, I also, with all due respect, of course, to Michael McCorkle Jones, I wouldn't want him. I'm sorry. I, I, I wouldn't. And I think that's one of the reasons. Like, okay, so my mind immediately goes to the last couple of off seasons where I've been like the hotbed of quarterback rumors. Last year, I believe it was Denver because they had a wide open competition. I guess you could say <sighs> Seattle, although they sort of remedied that with their trade to Denver. Um, New Orleans has kind of been in the cycle. I know a few years ago it was it was Tampa Bay, and then Tom Brady ended up going there. Yeah. Uh, I I am confused a little bit why San Francisco is the location that the majority of media members, both at a local and national level, tend to and and we 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 do this too, Mark, tend to automatically throw names into like. And I don't know if it's because there's just uncertainty in this quarterback room compared to others, but I, I would argue that the New England quarterback room is more in shambles than in San Francisco. I mean, th yeah. there's a reason why Mac Jones is in these trade rumors, whether it be to you know, potentially Carolina or you know a around the rest of the NFL. It's like they had you know, Bailey Zappia, Western Kentucky, I, I forget the mascot, come in and like perform well, and and so. Yeah, I don't. I don't know who who's the quarterback that they like there, and I, I I know that Kyle Shanahan has had some affiliation with Mac Jones, and who really knows if he ended up wanting him or if he didn't. Those were the reports. Um, you know, back in the day, he he clearly favored Kirk Cousins over Robert Griffin III, and sort of waited that out for his time to sort of move in with maybe his guy, if if that's what you want to believe. But it it does, I think it does beg the question mark, like. Why is every quarterback that is even potentially available automatically linked to the 49ers? That's a fantastic question. One that I've been trying to figure out for the last few weeks because it's getting ridiculous. All of these quarterbacks that are just seems a given that they're suddenly connected to the 49ers. Um, I think 
there was a point in the offseason, Evan, where these conversations could be, in my mind, legitimate. And that was before the signing of Javon Hargrave. We talked about this offseason before that big move, before free agency opened. You and I talked here on the 415ers. Um, do we think the Niners have a big move in them this offseason? Or do we think it's just kind of par for the course, retain some of your key free agents, make a signing here or there. Maybe you don't get anyone on the level of, you know, Mooney Ward that you did last offseason, no one that has that big of an impact in the coming year, but you you still have a solid offseason. You avoid the huge roster upheaval. You retain guys. You make some under-the-radar signings here, and you, you set yourself up for pretty good success in the coming season. That's how I thought it was going to go, but I, there was part of me in the back of my head thinking, you know, with the Christian McCaffrey move, with everything that's happening on the roster, given all of the gigantic contracts that they have, part of me thinks they might go and try to break the bank for a big move. And until that big move happened, Evan, it it was possible in my mind that that could have been for a quarterback. If they were convinced Trey Lance wasn't good enough, if they were worried long-term about Brock Purdy's elbow, or maybe they thought that he was a flash in the pan, maybe their big move, which they really only have room for one big move this offseason, maybe that big move would be for a quarterback. Maybe it would be waiting on the Lamar Jackson saga. Maybe it would be trying to get Kirk Cousins. Maybe it would be Aaron Rodgers. I don't know. I'm just throwing out some of the names that have been linked and that we've talked about. But ever since they made that move and they signed Javon Hargrave, Evan, to that big contract that ate up a lot of their free cap space, all of that flexibility left. And in my mind, they had zero room to make a big move, to make a big splash again. They had room for one big move this offseason. They have already made it. The Niners, the rest of their moves this offseason will be under the radar, on the margins, nothing that makes that much big news. They are done in that area. And considering that most of us thought they weren't going to make one big move this offseason, the fact that they did make one, I think, is surprising and a pretty big sign. But after that one, I'm sorry, there's just no more room for anything big again this offseason. And in order to make that move, John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan had to go to Jed York and basically, I don't want to say beg, but ask him for more money and see if we can make this thing happen to go all in potentially to try and win a Super Bowl this season. I, I Now, if you want to argue that that, I guess, distribution of money was improperly spent. That's a different conversation. But I do think that you're correct about they've already made their splash move. Like Har- Hargrave yep. was the guy. And they found, I don't want to say an inefficiency in the market, but they found a, a place where, you know, compared to what offensive linemen were being paid, which is a, a spot you could argue they needed an upgrade. Um and then defensive line, which they also needed to address, and we saw in the NFC Championship, they found the guy who's at the top of the class and is arguably the best at his position, and were able to get him for money lesser than some of those top offensive linemen that we we're talking about, Mike McGlinchey included. So, no, I, I'm I'm with you. I think that these quarterback rumors and and my question of why San Francisco is, you know, kind of picked as the spot to just hey, you know. Mac Jones, how would that look? Kirk Cousins, Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady, how would this all try and figure out? It's because there is 
I, I think an external uncertainty about that room. And, and I do think, and this is actually something maybe we can talk about next week. I do think that there is room for doubt as far as whether this quarterback situation is going to work this year, because you got a lot of different moving pieces. And last season you were able to thread the needle, but I think we can all agree it was due to some luck and some fortune having Mr. Irrelevant turn out to be a guy that could lead you to eight victories. So um, we're definitely going to keep an eye on it. Who knows, Mark? By the end of this weekend, we might have another two quarterback rumors, uh, two quarterbacks will. linked to the 49ers. But this is the 415ers podcast brought to you by the Odyssey Sports Podcast Network, 95.7 The Game. I'm Evan Giddings. That is Mark Granny. Please download, rate, subscribe wherever you get your podcast from. Five stars are, as always, much appreciated. Well, let's talk about the quarterback, Mark. QB1, as of now, according to John Lynch, at least, when he's ready and healthy. And that's Brock Purdy, because we talked about him in the last episode. First time we heard from him officially since his surgery. Said everything is going, quote, according to plan. And he did this interview with uh, his local Fox Sport affiliate in Phoenix, 910. And he also discussed some areas of improvement that he would like to make. And so I'll just I'll just read them off and then we can dive into it. But he addressed, quote unquote, the cons of last season, which revolved around his footwork and his timing. Those are the areas that once Brock Purdy, after the three month mark of his surgery, is able to get going, able to figure out where his arm is at those are the areas he wants to improve in do you agree that he needs to mark um i mean i i suppose that you could always get better uh at footwork i thought in terms of footwork if there was an area where i thought he could improve and i guess this is kind of only um, it's not directly related to footwork but it's overusing his feet sometimes and I, I think it's trusting his offensive line and hanging on in the pocket for a little bit longer um i don't know how you feel about this evan my relatively untrained quarterback footwork eye didn't really tell me that he, he he has bad footwork like he he seems to you know consistently you know go through his his five-step drop, three-step drop, whatever it is, and, and he he loads his weight well, and he has good balance in the pocket. But the one thing that stands out to me, Evan, is he's a little jumpy and eager in the pocket and is ready to use his feet and leave the pocket and evade and try to make plays, which is all good and all. But the Niners' offense is designed for a pocket passer, and generally – uh, you'll have more success when you're in the pocket. So I think that's one thing that stood out to me. I didn't quite see what Brock Purdy is talking about. I'm not saying he's wrong and I'm right, because he clearly knows a lot more about it than I do, of course. Um, but I thought his footwork is fine, especially for a seventh-round rookie quarterback. Again, you can always get better, but that didn't stand out to me as something that is, I don't know, the first page like must improve for Brock Purdy this offseason. Yeah, I think there was a lot of coach speak in there. And I think that that was who Brock Purdy is, number one. I also think number two, look, what what are the most important things to Kyle Shanahan from a quarterback uh, perspective? Timing. Timing. Know. Play and the play calling, the play sheet, yeah. and footwork. 
Like those are like you have to do all three of those things to get on the field. Like in basketball, you got to be able to make a free throw, you got to be able to play <laughs> some defense, and you got to be able to make a layup. In baseball, you got to be able to lay a bunt down. You got to know how to run the bases. You got to know how to make a catch with two hands. Like these are all fundamental things that you have to get on the field. And I think a big reason why number one, he wowed the 49ers last year because they sensed, I guess, all of those things being ahead of the curve for a seventh round pick. And I also think that's where I saw him be the most impressive. Like the one thing that is the most, I would say questionable about Brock Purdy is the thing that he unfortunately injured and that's his arm and his arm strength. I think that, Timing-wise, he was pretty damn good in his rookie season. Like you mentioned, he can always get better. But from weeks 18, pardon me, weeks 13 through 18, so when when he took over to the end of the regular season, he was fourth in expected points added behind Patrick Mahomes, Jalen Hurts, and I'll I'll, I'll let you guess the third one. I thought it was actually pretty interesting. Patrick Mahomes, Jalen Hurts, this is expected points added? Yes, during what the final six weeks of the regular season? Um, okay. Is it he's not in the Josh NFC. Allen? It's oh, he's Josh in the Allen. Is it Kirk Cousins? It's not Kirk Cousins. <laughs> okay. He has good. not been linked was... to the 49ers. <laughs> so he just played his division. He plays in Kirk Cousins' division. Jared Goff. Yes, sir. It was yes. Jared Goff. But that's G- the kind Gal of company that... right there. Shout out the Bears. New, new head coach of basketball, by the way. We could talk about that later. Uh, but but Brock Purdy was in that elite group, right? He was with the Mahomes and the Hertzes and I guess the Goffs. But like I didn't think there was much of an issue with those things that he talked about working on. And actually I, I kind of looked at a couple of numbers. Like if you if you look at some advanced metrics, like Brock Purdy had a 67% completion rating. That's that's pretty good. Uh, but according to next gen stats. He had a 69% expected completion percentage. So he actually was supposed to have been based on his throws and the windows that he threw into and the receivers he's thrown to been better. Like I thought timing and footwork were the least of his concerns. And yet those are the things that he's talking about improving. So I I don't know what you want to take away from it, but to me, he's trying to come out and say, Hey, Hey Kyle, look, you know, I I'm focused on what you want me to focus on. And that's why I'm going to be your guy when I'm back and ready. It also does kind of sound like I think you're onto something. Maybe it's what you're saying. Brock Purdy is trying to prove to Kyle Shannon, like, hey, I, I know what makes this offense go, and I'm going to get better at it. I think it's also maybe Brock Purdy just regurgitating everything that Kyle Shanahan has told him. <laughs> um, and it's just kind of muscle memory now. Someone asks him, say, what, what do you got to do better? And he just suddenly spits out whatever Kyle Shanahan just yelled at him about like most recently, which is, you know, you see that left, that left that step with your left foot there on, on this drop on the third and seven play, it's got to be five inches more to the right. And then you're golden. Like I can just imagine all the film sessions that these guys have gone through, even, you know, during the off season and as they're checking in with his elbow and all of that, they have these kinds of conversations. So maybe part of it is Brock Purdy trying to show to Kyle, Hey, like, I'm paying attention. I, I know what you need out of your quarterback, and and I'm going to do that. But it also might just be, this is what Kyle has told me, and I am I trust Kyle, and I'm just going to tell you what he's been telling me. 
Well, this is where I will give Shanahan credit. It does appear that every quarterback that has worked with him all say the right things. Like they all (laughs) are great public speakers when it comes to saying nothing without, you know, like while saying, I guess, technically everything under the sun. Like Brock Purdy is, by all accounts, well-spoken. He comes from the... Trey Lance school of communication and Trey Lance comes from the Jimmy Garoppolo school of communication. And that comes from the Kyle Shanahan school of communication with the media. And I don't know. I, I just thought it was kind of funny. It was an added part of the, the interview that he had. And I, I mean, don't be wrong. I don't, I don't mean to make fun of the guy, but it, it is a, it, it's not as comical as say Aaron Rodgers going to the 49ers or Mac Jones being traded for Trey Lance, but I thought it was, it gave me a chortle. Yeah. How about that? Yeah, no, I'm with you. I, I'm not surprised that Brock Purdy is at that level already because he was, what, he played four years at Iowa State. He was a multi-year starter. He's been in front of media scrums for years now. Again, Iowa State media scrum, I'm not comparing that to an NFL team, of course. But, I mean, that's a power five school. They had pretty good success while he was there. They went to some bowl games. They went they they went to and, and won a Fiesta Bowl. It was against my Oregon Ducks, unfortunately. But I mm. mean, the, he's he's played in some big games. He knows what it's like to have a microphone and cameras in front of him. So he's probably learned some lessons there. What does shock me, and we've learned this, we learned this right when Trey Lance was drafted. What surprises me is how Trey Lance handles media, and he handles it like he's a vet. But he and he went to North Dakota State, and obviously he won, uh, you know, an FCS championship there, and it's obviously a very big program. And up in the North Dakota, and you know, South Dakota area, and in the north part of of our country, uh, they're the one of the big football stories, at least collegiately, and they get some coverage. Of course, you know that. I know you spent time in Fargo. But it surprised me that Trey Lance is as uh, media savvy, it seems, as he was when he got drafted into the 49ers. Brock Purdy does not surprise me as much, but but Trey Lance does. Yeah, I mean, maybe just because I, I had a chance to interview Trey when he was a true freshman and like no one knew who he was. Yeah. I, I'm not super surprised. I mean, he was like well, he, he is the son of a, of a former athlete. I know his dad didn't play yeah. in the NFL, but you know, he kind of gets it from his pops or whatever. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I guess I, I, you know, you, you can definitely see that like the big 12 is certainly going to get more scrutiny and more coverage and more media members than the FCS. Uh, Trey Lance was the orchestrator of one national championship was a part of two. Do I have to correct you there? Um, but like, I, I meant as the starting quarterback. Yeah. I, oh, yeah, whatever. Yeah, yeah, and then, well, yeah, he's played like unfortunately fourteen games in the last four <laughs> years. But no, he like his his podium game is elite, and so far Brock Purdy's podium game appears to be equal, if not maybe just a little bit less or so. Because I think he has to deal with less difficult questions. Like, and actually, this is something where I, I right. think we should keep an eye on. Brock Purdy hasn't faced any adversity yet in his career, and he hasn't had any expectations so far. So he's able to answer all these questions like maybe Kyle would ask of him because he's got all the answers. Like he's walking into a test. He knows the answer to when he has to do a media appearance. Meanwhile, Trey Lance is being asked all these difficult questions about his relationship with Kyle, his standing in the organization, his relationship with his teammates, his injuries, how he's been working through them, having to be drafted with, 
expectations of holding a franchise on your shoulders. Meanwhile, Brock Purdy just like, yeah, man, I mean, I, you know, I was, I was picked last and I balled out and, you know, I got, I got hurt, but I'm coming back and I'll be back. And, you know, I just want to work on this kind of tinker with that. And I'm just going to be fine. And the four nanners, me, we're going to go out and win some games next year. It's going to be all good. But if he comes back and they lose their first two, not saying they will, nor do I think they will, but then we're going to see, I think, a, a different side potentially of Brock Purdy. And we'll really see what his podium game is all about. You're right. Uh, I hadn't thought about that. I, th- I think maybe we've we've briefly touched on this a little bit, but not not directly at this angle. I mean, all of Brock Purdy's you know post game pressers and even like midweek pressers this most recent season since he got the starting job after Jimmy Garoppolo's injury, he's basically like walked into a standing ovation almost like because like oh my god, this is the seventh rookie quarterback. You're the guy that's making all of our jobs in the media so easy. This is the biggest story in the NFL. We love you so much, Brock and. This isn't, you know, obviously that's not what, you know, the professional media members that cover the 49ers say, of course, but it it has that feel of a, like, oh my God, this is the guy that is leading the 49ers to this great win streak. And he came out of nowhere and it's such an incredible story. And there's nothing that Brock Purdy can really do or say that off the field, at least that changes that. So you're right. There's, there's no pressure in those press conferences. But when you're Trey Lance and you struggle after week one and you weren't the starter the previous year after being a third round pick, uh, you you do tend to have a little more awkward environments at your press conferences. And that will probably continue this summer when the team gets together for OTAs and, and we talk to Trey Lance because he'll likely be taking some first team reps. Though It'll be kind of a, a tense environment would be my guess. I'm not saying Trey Lance is going to answer questions in any poor way. As, as you said, he's very polished in being respectful and kind and really not saying much while still saying a lot of words, but no, not really anything meaningful comes out. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how, how that tone does, does change here this off season. Are you familiar with the 2000 film gladiator Mark? Of course. Russell okay. Crowe's finest. One of, I would argue, uh, shout out, beautiful mind. However, I do think that Brock Purdy right now is Maximus Decimus Meridius. Like, he's the guy that everyone is rooting for when he steps into the gladiator ring. He can do no wrong because he has never failed. And yet, even though there might be some people, uh, Commodus in, in this situation, that might be rooting against him, he has not. And so if you are Brock Purdy and you're stepping into the gladiator ring of modern day over at Levi's Stadium and you got thousands of people cheering you on, then, yeah, it's a little bit easier to be likable. It's a little bit easier to say the right things. Meanwhile, Trey Lance is in a situation where I don't want to say people are rooting against him, but people are not nearly as much in his corner, nor I think have they ever been because of the kind of speculation surrounding even his original draft status as now Brock Purdy, who wasn't expected to do anything. So look, I, I I think that Brock Purdy is, you know, the fact that he wants to work on his footwork and his timing and, and he wants to show Kyle that once he gets back from his injury, that his, he's going to be locked in and all ready to go. I think that's great. Uh, but I also do want to see what Brock Purdy says and how he reacts the moment he faces his first situation in which there's adversity in the NFL because to his credit, there has been none. Yeah, you're right. It's the power of expectations. And for Purdy, there were no expectations last year, just like 
Maximus as he begins his, you know, fight up through the gladiator ranks. But once you get on Mm. that big stage and there are expectations, you're a household name now. You've done it in the past. Can you keep it up? That's when these things change. And that's what this next season signals and and means for Brock Purdy. Well, our next episode is going to be coming on Tuesday, uh, but please follow us on social media at 415ers, Twitter, Instagram. We'll be posting some clips. Uh, check us out on YouTube. Of course, please download, rate, subscribe, wherever you get your podcast from. As that is Mark Granny. My name is Evan Giddings. We're coming at you twice a week here in the offseason on the Odyssey Sports Podcast Network. Look out for our next episode. We'll talk to you next time.